This episode is brought to you by Valhalla Hobby. You can find them at valhallahobby.com. If you use the code GT2305, you get 5% off any order over $100. Check out Valhalla Hobby today. Brought to you by some guys on the internet. This is Getting Tabled. With your hosts, Jason the Bruce. You guy! George the Yang. I hope you're all entertained by my ineptitude. Jason, a.k.a. Major Socks. We've been doing this and talking about various stuff. One of the stuff. Now sit back, relax, and get tabled. Hello, future people. Welcome to Getting Tabled. I'm Jason the Bruce. I'm here with the main man. We've got Major Socks with us. Yes. Great to be back uh, after two weeks. George is off gallivanting with his family, so uh, he's uh, he's away again. Yeah, George but, uh, is pretending to have a life. Yeah, he is. Uh, but he should be back next week or next time we record. So, but it's great. And uh, we have a lot to cover tonight, Bruce. We do. It's it's a pretty full on episode, uh, which is nice. And because like a lot of it's not even the big dreaded name that you no. love so much. Um. Like most of our I, run sheets, and like there is some significant Games Workshop stuff happening. Seventy-five percent of it is not GW. I know. In terms of news, <laughs> that's because they've just done all of their big stuff, so it'll be kind of a little bit more balanced from for the next two months at least until they decide to do their next one, or until Gen Con. You just have to remember, month. and there are some people that won't like me saying this, but it's true. The reason that they do that big flood of news is because they keep on. It's a marketing tactic to stop people looking at other companies. It's actually, as much as some of us don't appreciate it, it's actually very smart marketing. Um, White Dwarf does exactly the same thing. It's the reason why they have all of their own paints, all of their own tools, because the idea is is that if you never look at any other company, then you will never look at any other company. Um, It's the reason why they have, unfortunately, 75-80% market share. That's not a that statistic I use frequently. It's not one I made up. You can look it up for yourself. Discourse Miniatures did a whole video on it. I realize that Discourse Miniatures is not everybody's cup of tea um, because they tend to concentrate on the negative side of the hobby and stuff. But um, very good research. Uh, but with that little mini rant out of the way... <laughs> news? We shall cover some news. Newly received or noteworthy information, especially about recent or important events. All right, and we start off this week by looking at, well, let's be fair, that's been my favourite game for a very long time. Uh, we're looking at Malifaux. So we've just had the no, reveal. You don't play much. No, well, I haven't. I don't get the chance to play a lot of things. You want um, to. Uh, yes. Well, to be fair, I would have the opportunity to play this every week if I wanted to, but most of my hobby time has to go into my own thing because otherwise it'll never happen. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to Anyways. balance that a little bit better, but we'll talk about that later. Um, so we get a reveal this week of the new Nightmare stuff for this year. So the Nightmare crew for this year is coming from the reap and sow this is just an undead nightmare looking faction it's all horror it's all 
like this stuff it looks like undead stuff straight out of like the nun horror movie or um the insidious horror movies it, it's just all nightmarish stuff i actually think you could paint this up to look like diablo very easily as well you've got yeah. the skeleton king which counts as jedza the bell ringers are what would normally be lamp lighters and they're the things that look like nuns the stalwart knight counts as mikhail uh 16 if i'm getting my right and that's yep incredible uh and then the I think the ghostly coach is probably the weakest thing in this box. That's the counts as Sophie. Um, I love the look of this. I'm, I'm not buying any new Malifaux stuff at the moment. And this is fine because this is something that will come up again and again and again. Their nightmare editions basically come up during any of their event stuff. So Gen Con is one of their big times of the year for obvious reasons, especially being an American company. Um, but it comes up during their their Easter sales and their January fourth, not January fourth, uh, the uh, the Black Friday sales and stuff as well. So they're very limited. You only get certain opportunities to buy this stuff. But it's not like if you don't go to Gen Con, you can't buy it, which is a good yep. thing because I really, really don't like when people do that. Uh, we've had rants about that several times. We also have misconduct, which is the miss are also alternate models so she is an alternate model for Arik Shodama and she's wearing a very steampunky mech armor suit yeah sort of it's very steampunky I really really do like it and then we finish off with the thorn and crown which is a continuation on the nightmare stuff so with this, we get Mistilla and Rog, which is accounts as for Astera and I want to say Twig. It could be Twig, but I think it, it looks like Twig to me. Uh, and then we also get the alternate version of the Skeleton King uh, because we'd lately have been doing alternate versions of all of their bosses to update the models and give you an alternate way to play them. Uh, and honestly... Love the fact that they've done this straight out of the box with this alternate version. My mm-hmm. assumption would have been is that they wouldn't have bothered doing this, but they have, and I love that they have. Um, this is for me probably my favourite nightmare I've seen in a while. Um, last year's was the the creepy cat lady thing, which from memory George really thought was cool. Um, I mean that it was cool, but I could be wrong. But I'm sure that was last year. Uh, unless I'm getting confused with the year before or something. I think they've done really, really well with this. I could talk a little bit about how like they decide what the nightmare is going to be and stuff, but it's probably it's it's all fairly public knowledge. Um, basically, that it's determined that one faction uh, that wins a certain event is the one that will get the following year's nightmare stuff. Uh, and then they just decide in-house which one it is that they're going to do that with. So it kind of spreads yeah. it around a little bit. I really, really like this. I really do. I'm not going to lie. As much as like I was saying, I'm not going to buy this. I really want to get this and paint it up to look like old-school Diablo with just lots of browns and bone colours, and which would look very... Un- I mean, they're clearly going for something else, but 
I think you could pull yeah. it off quite easily. Moving, moving, moving on. on to everybody's favorite Batman. Um, yeah, pretty much. Uh, look, don't get me wrong. I know that that's not actually necessarily true, but for most people, Michael Keaton is their Batman. It's probably not my favorite, but he's my favorite live action Batman. Um, but I think animated Batman is still my favorite. And I don't know if that'll ever change, honestly. Uh, this model looks incredible. So this is night models. Uh, I've talked about night models in my opinion of them before. Um, if you're buying from night models, you just need to be very, very careful with what you get because their quality control is not the greatest, unfortunately. Uh, this is not a new thing. This has been a problem with night models for a very long time. Um, so whenever I cover night models, I always want to bring this up because it is a problem that they have never fixed. And you need to be aware of this if you're going to be getting into their stuff. But you will get your stuff from them. But it's not unknown for you to have to go back to them a couple of times to get it. Um, we have reports of people that bought brand new boxes that were empty and stuff. So this is... And this is sealed boxes from people that were their supporters quite publicly. Uh, this isn't just a matter of randoms. This is a matter of these guys were being sponsored and stuff. So it's something you need to be wary of. Um, my next, uh, the next mini is probably my favorite of the ones we're looking at today, though, because it's the best Catwoman. I, I mean, I'm sorry, no Catwoman has ever gotten close to this. Uh, granted, I realize that there's obviously very different takes on the character, but yeah, Michelle Pfeiffer is just phenomenal it's a crime that they never made that movie um because there was talks at one point that michelle pfeiffer's catwoman was going to get a movie of her own it's a crime that that never happened uh they've replicated the outfit really really nicely i think if i was to paint this i would probably use um a satin varnish or something to get like that latexy type look Mm -hmm. from the outfit um that's probably the way that I would go about it. They've tried to replicate it here with like, I want to say not non-metallic metals, but obviously it's not metal. Uh, but that's very clearly the the style of painting they've gone to try to replicate that look. Uh, but I think I would just paint it traditionally. Um, I don't think it quite gets pulled off in that paint job as well as if you had have painted it traditionally. Uh, and then we have... Honestly, I love this depiction of the bat, of the of the penguin. Uh, when I was originally playing this game, the penguin's crew was the one that I was playing with, and I painted mine to look as close to Danny DeVito as I could. Uh, mm-hmm. Like the model was not Danny DeVito; it was it was a very generic looking penguin. It was the original one, uh, but this is so good. Uh, this is very cl- it's him being introduced as running for the mayor. Uh, like he's just walked down the stairs. I think he bites somebody's nose in a couple of minutes after this. Um, I mean, I could be wrong. I mean, that that's where I'm picturing this. The staircase isn't quite right, but yeah. Um, I really, really love what they're doing with these. For those that don't like the old school movies as much, and just for the like Batman Returns, honestly, I think Batman Returns holds up much better than people give it credit for. Um, 
Batman Returns, I mean, it gets talked about a little bit, but it seems to be the Batman movie that everybody forgets because it just so immediately went in the other direction. Though it is weird that the Penguin gets clown crews because that's a Joker thing. But anyway. Mm -hmm. Uh, We also get Suicide Squad. So this is interesting. Um, Obviously, Suicide Squad is quite popular. Uh, These appear to be... They're just a reprint of the ones from the um, two-player starter set that we had a couple of years ago. So they're just re-releasing them, essentially, for those that don't want to buy the two-player starter set, which is not a bad idea. Um, Like, all of these models... Like, none of these models are new, um, but all of them are quite nice. I think they've done quite well here. Um, Yeah. Uh, do you have any favourites amongst that socks? Probably the Batman. Probably the Batman. Yeah, I mean it's the it's the classic Batman. Like you almost you can almost hear him saying, "I'm Batman." Mm-hmm. Not that I can do his voice very well, but I'm Batman. Um, mine is. I'm kind of going back and forth, but I, I kind of want to say Catwoman. But I like all three yeah. of them. But it, it's it's very very difficult. I'm trying to remember if if Michael Keaton could still not move his neck at this point. I know he can't move his neck in the first movie, but I don't know. I don't remember if they fixed that for the second one or not. I don't think they fixed that until number three, maybe. I don't remember. But let's move on. Because we've got a a little bit of a... I have to eat some crow on this next story. Because I don't remember when it was, but I remember saying on the podcast at one point, but I don't think we're ever going to get epic again. And, and here we go. <laughs> and here we go. We're getting epic again. So I, I, for those that have been screaming for this for about five years, you, you probably, I'm like, you're welcome. Because clearly it's my responsibility that this happened. Uh, because if I hadn't have said that it was never going to happen, this will never happen. So those of you that are waiting for Battlefleet Gothic, you, you're welcome on that too, because I've said several times, I don't think that's ever going to happen. Uh, I just don't think there's enough room in the industry for it uh epic look th- this was a game that was very popular at one point they're taking it in a different direction this time though this time it's strictly going to be uh for uh the horus heresy which um makes a bit of sense to me honestly because that is genuinely all very large big battles which obviously is what epic scale is all about <gasps> is having a very large big battle on a smaller space uh, this is certainly something that's not from... I mean, I have played Epic, and I enjoyed the game that I had. Thank you, JB. Uh, but I've always said that it's not a game that I'm ever going to play. It's just not something that grabs me. Um, I, I 100% understand why people get into it, though. I do understand the draw. It's just not something that's for me. Um, because I already have other things in that scale where I enjoy the world more, like Drop Zone. Uh-huh. Um, drop fleet. Drop, well, drop zone is the equivalent of epic. Well, the scale is a little bigger, but drop fleet is yeah. is space combat. Yeah. It's not the same. It's like comparing X wing with uh, Warhammer forty thousand, or Armada with Warhammer forty thousand. Yes, it's just yeah. yeah, it's not a comparison you can make. I mean, you can, but not in that way. Uh, miniatures wise, I mean, obviously the sculpts on these miniatures are. Going to be limited. These are very t- small, tiny little minis. 
Um, so you're going to need to be wary of that. So if you're looking at these up close, obviously, I, the mini, I, these minis do look very good for their size. These are, I want to say, 8 mil. It does say in this article somewhere. Um, I want to say 8 mil. I, I could be slightly off on that. I could be mis, I could be misremembering it. But like for 8 mil scale, I think they look fine. I think they look really good. Um, just like it's not going to compare with the normal stuff that we get from Games Workshop because it's much smaller. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I said, like this stuff looks. I think these tanks look far better than they have any right to. Honestly. Yeah. Just scrolling through to give people a look. Yeah, I, I think they've done really well here. It's going to be interesting to see what this get when this game comes out. Actually, um, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens there. Also, from from Games Workshop, we got another look at the Bretonian for their Old World or Old Hammer, or the Old Hammer is something else. Um, so this is the Tomb King and the Bretonian Paladin. I quite like the Paladin. Like he's just he just looks very regal, so that makes yeah. sense. Oh, sorry, I was reading from the thing, but that's this is the new pre this is the new reveal. Since they did the Tomb King. Uh, this is the standard bearer. Uh, but I quite like this, honestly. I, I, I love the fact that I can't think. Is it dressage when the horses do like the fancy walking? I think it's called yeah. dressage. That's kind of what this reminds me of. I, I, I love the fact that the rock has a... Sorry. That the horse has a strategic rock underneath one of its legs. Uh, and I swear that they just do this to annoy people at this point. <laughs> Because I know that there's people that complain about this every time they put one on a model. Which is silly, but yeah. I think they've done really well with this. I think it looks really nice. Um, I'm... I still think we're not going to get this till next year. Because I just Probably don't... Not. I just don't think they're showing enough of it for us to be getting it this year. I mean, it's still six months away till the end of the year. They could. Um... But they're not showing huge army pieces together. Yeah. In various articles. They're just showing little bits here and there. The big the big preview sorry, the big release before Christmas is either gonna end up being this or it's gonna end up being epic. And I have a feeling it's gonna end up being epic. Unless there's something I'm missing. But that that's just a guess. I have nothing to base that on. But Epic seems to be closer, and it's something that would have required less work. All they needed mm-hmm. to do was the minis. So, and then finally, this whole preview, by the way, was a we're not talking about Warhammer Forty Thousand preview. What did they actually call it? They just called it the not Warhammer Forty Thousand preview. So they're just having a go at themselves, basically. Um, so we also get the Cities of Sigma. This range, as they've been teasing it, has kind of been getting very mixed opinions. Like there was a couple of things we looked at a few episodes ago that we thought just looked horrible, uh, like the just the general public type thing. Um, this stuff that they're showing off here, I quite like. It's been a very, very, very mixed reception. Um, this seems to be one of those. So, so even in this preview, like I love the kid with his dead lantern thing 
I don't quite get what it's supposed to be, but I do like it. Yeah. The guy that's standing um, next to him. And then I also like the fact that there's three completely different looking models that you can build out of the one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and like all three of them look massively different. Yes. But they like the body is exactly the same, and it's very obvious. I like like Games Workshop are good at that. And then you immediately go down to this thing with his cauldron, and I think that looks disgusting and horrible. So that was quick. We we got to the horrible stuff really quickly. Uh, going back into it, so we here we have our kind of run of the mill uh, peasants essentially. So these are the ones that people were kind of like, eh, I don't get it, I don't like it. Um, especially in that next one, I, I'm kind of eh, the, the, yeah. The horses, they look good. The knights. I haven't quite gotten to the knights yet. I think they're yeah. There we go. Yeah. So the knights definitely were getting some opinions. Um, I quite like the fact that these aren't just all regal and they look different. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean there are some that are all fancy, like the second picture there with the guy with a helmet that looks too big for his head because it's like up here mm-hmm. uh, which is just just seems it just seems it's just we're doing silly things for the sake of doing silly things I think I think my favourite is the guy without the helmet like the older guy the standard bearer that might be my favourite of the horses honestly which is yeah, I the like... most boring but just the way that, that that standard is flowing out like that yeah with the horse. Um, looks pretty nice. I mean, everything... In the first image, um, there's a horse with the guy with the big holy hammer thing. Um, mm-hmm. Or a mace, I think it would be. And the pose is exactly the same as the horse in the previous thing we were talking about. Yeah. The pose is exactly yep. the same. It's just the other leg. Which makes sense. Yeah. Oh, look, it's it's a horse. There's only so many things you can do with it. Um, but honestly, when everything is trying to be epically posed and animated, I think it says something when the most boring looking pose is arguably the best looking. Although this the is all looks cool. What looks cool? The manticore. Oh yeah. Down. Yeah, I hadn't gotten to the manticore yet, but yes, the manticore is. It is Amazing. the highlight that it should be. The detail on this, like this is something that you could spend weeks painting and really enjoying. The scorpion tail is phenomenal. Uh, again, you've got your optional assemblies. Uh, by the look of it, really easily magnetized, unlike the previous thing. I still don't get the un... I don't get yeah, the whole... Yeah, the, the un- heads inside the chair... There's obviously a law thing here, and I'm not reading from the article. I'm just commenting on what I'm looking at. My guess is that because they've been fighting off Nagash, that this is like a warning for the undead trying to come at them or something? Just seems very odd. Why would you keep undead heads and show them off instead of burning them? Good, good, very good question. Yeah. If you know the law behind this, and like, I'm not pretending to know what that law is. Uh, like, let us know in the comments, because that just seems very odd. It doesn't... Without looking into it, like, it 
doesn't make any sense to me. Moving on. Spectre Miniatures is a company we looked at a little bit recently. Uh, I've been looking at it for a number of reasons, but they are expanding out. We're getting a heist crew that's coming out shortly, which is like it literally looks like a bank heist crew. Yep. Um, that they, they look like they're in the middle of storming through that door. <laughs> Give us all your money. I, I quite like it, honestly. I think it looks gorgeous. Nice and quick, we also get a criminal element gang, which is, I mean, they're not armed as well as the others. They just look like the, the sort of gangs that you think of when you see street gangs. Um, yeah, they're all covering like their the faces. They're all track pants and jeans. and Yeah, I like the guy that's uh, holding his rifle upside down. Yeah. It's like, I know how to use this. How dare you tell me I don't? <laughs> yeah, good luck trying to same fire with that way. Not going to work. The, the guy with his pistol like, out to the side, he's just starting to tilt it because that's what you do in yeah. all of the movies. And then finally, we have people that actually know how to use weaponry. This is the US SWAT team. And they just look... They're probably not as interesting to me as the other ones, but they are just a SWAT team. So you don't want them to have as much character as the other ones because that's kind of the point. They're just doing what they're told. These guys are all compensating for the lack of skill with intimidation. At least that's my takeaway from it anyway. Um, also, like, really, like, honestly, in the case of the last, like, decent value too. Twenty six. Yeah. So you're looking at what around forty dollars for me. Um, it's all resin. They're all done in the USA by Blacksite Studios, which is something I feel like I should have known, but I didn't. I think the value in that's actually really good. Like really good. Uh, I think my favourite has to be the criminal element. Yeah. I just love how much it feels like they're compensating. Just a bunch of gang thugs just trying to... Yeah, pretty much. Like It's all track suits and jeans and leather jackets and look how tough we are. We know what we're doing. We're going to destroy you all. And these are probably the first guys to fall over. Because, well, they just don't know what they're doing. Just judging on the look of the characters and the way that things go in pop culture. Moving on, though. Socks, there's this game that you uh, really don't like talking about called Dystopian no, Wars. Not at all. I don't like them at all. Even though <laughs> I've... Uh... So, yeah, there's some uh, new releases that are coming out uh, that they just put out as a pre-order for this month. Uh, the first one we're going to be looking at is the Enlightened Aerial Squadron. So we've seen some of these already. In the yep. larger dual battle fleet box, but this is now just the the ability for enlightened players to get uh, some of the larger squad uh, saucers, flying saucers, as well as some of the smaller ones in their own squadron box. So if they don't want to buy the whole battle fleet box, um, they can get some of these uh, to go along with it, which yeah. is smart because you're not going to want two or three uh, flagships for that fleet, um, but. Uh, you'll want some of the smaller stuff. So, and that's what these squadron boxes are, are for, is so you can get those smaller stuff as well. So there's that's something the first on, 
There's something on this first page I want to point out. Socks. Yep. L- look at the price. Yep. Thirty-five so bucks. It, it's. What's the crossed-out thing say for you? One penny off. <laughs> so on my screen, viewers will be able to see this. It's twenty-eight pounds, or it used to be, and it's crossed out twenty-eight pounds. <laughs> That's funny. I got a thirty. Yeah, thirty-five ninety-five. Or thirty five ninety four. So there's oh, no. clearly a mistake that's been made there. Whaling yes. games like they do do decent pricing. This is not why I'm, I just that's very clearly an error that I find quite amusing. Uh, we've yep. also got an Italian support squadron. So this is another box that's um going to be yep. to support. Yeah. So this is for the Alliance faction, and the Alliance is broken out into France, Spain. Well, Spain isn't released yet, but uh, primarily France and Italy right now. Uh, but they do have Portuguese stuff that you can do in terms of the platforms. Um, so again, this is uh, some support squadrons that you can get to fill out your uh, Italian battle fleet. Um, so within it, you've got some some carrier cruisers. You got some Puggio destroyers, uh, some submarines, Sagitas, and then some uh, Scorpio art- artillery cruisers. Quite like the Scorpio so, with its giant crossbow. Yeah, I agree. And then you got a Vulcan uh, repair ship as well. So, and then some SRS tokens as well. So, not a bad uh, setup. You get uh, two submarines, two cruiser bodies that you can build as various different uh, cruisers, depending on how you want to build them out. Four destroyers and then some SRS tokens, which is about normal uh, for a support squadron box to come yeah. with. And again, um, like twenty eight, like twenty eight pounds for these boxes is really, really good value. Yeah, I don't think yep, that we exactly. talk about that enough. This stuff is really good value. It's all hard plastic too. It, it is. Well, these it boxes is all hard are. plastic. These ones are. Yeah, uh, your your flagships primarily are resin, resin with plastic yeah. bits that you'll you'll glue onto. Um, speaking of Battlefleet box, we have the Zan Madeo for the the Empire fleet that was just announced. And this is a big floating sky fortress city block. Uh, that's the uh, the Zan, Zan Madeo is the flagship for this uh, empire set. And then you've got some SRS tokens as well, some smaller uh, sky keeps they call them. Um, oh my lord! That they'll be coming out here. Just, yeah, just, it, it just take my money cool. now. This is incredible. Why did I give away my Empire stuff, Socks? Do you remember? No, I don't. <laughs> I do, but that's not the point. This is incredible. Yeah, this is, it looks amazing. And the way they did the, the artwork on the box is amazing. I love the paint job that they did for the box art. Um, just that regal Empire Chinese looking city block. And I love the idea uh, of a floating city. It's always been a cool idea. Well, you get one here if you want to go back to the Empire for uh, Dystopian Wars. So all of these will be released at the end of the month, uh, but you can pre-order them today. Um, so again, this one's not bad. 70 bucks and you get uh, the Battle Fleet uh, or the, the big city block, uh, two Sky Fortresses, and then six or two Sky uh, Keeps and some SRS tokens, which for that big of a block of resin, that's not bad yeah. price for for all that in the box because 
the from what I understand, the Thule, the the flying saucer that the Enlightened just got for theirs, they're it's about a three inch in diameter plastic piece, and so you you look at that. That was probably going to be four four and a half, maybe five inches square, sitting on a flying base. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, you, you look at this is well, this only has like a couple of things in it. How is this more expensive? But the size of this stuff is. Like this stuff is going to be huge. Yeah. Um, I think this might actually all be plastic. It might be. Um, well, down the bottom, it just says plastic in the material. So, I mean, technically, resin can be called a plastic, but generally, they tend to call it resin. Yeah. Uh, don't like. Don't quote me on that. I could be wrong, but I think this might all be plastic. I guess the the determining factor would be how hard it would be to do as a um well because you'd have to do the whole sprue obviously so it's a matter mm-hmm. of what they could fit on it i guess i don't know this is just this is incredible because i i had quite deliberately not looked at the stuff that you added to the run sheet but this is easily the my favorite thing i've seen today so far so I looked at another bo- Battlefleet box that has resin in it, and they list plastic and resin. So that okay, so this is all going to be plastic. plastic. I think that's pretty solid. Then, yep, this is a normal plastic set. So that's just going to be a little difficult. I mean, whoever gets this, I mean, awesome. Uh, I want to look forward to seeing some pictures on this here, here soon as this gets released and painted up on the groups that I'm part of. You, you but, can uh, have a lot of. It's going to be a lot this. of. Yeah. It's going to be a lot of fun to paint, but at the same time, it's going to take a long time because you're going to have to be so careful with everything. Yeah, especially if you want to kind of have it set up so that each city, each quadrant is similar. Yeah. It's just a matter of how you want to do it. Personally, if I was to do it, I would probably try to replicate what's in the box. Uh, maybe I would do red roofs instead of green roofs or something, but th- that's I would probably just copy what's on the box um, because it's a fairly simple concept, and if you keep it to the simple, you can actually probably bash it out pretty quickly. You could go nuts with this. You really could. Yeah, you, you could. So I'm, I, that, I think that will go very, very well with the Empire fleet overall. Yeah. Just, so... It's just, oh, I love that so much. It's so pretty. Oh, no. How do I follow that up? Oh, I know how to follow this up. Let's look at some Bushido minis. This was only revealed last yep, night I at like it. 1 o'clock my time last night. Um, so we're starting off with probably the one thing that people have been waiting for the longest, which is the Kami of the, Le- Kami of the Empty Mind. So this is your Void Kami, basically. Um, so this works with the temple and the dark, I can't think what the dark temple's called, uh, the void monks. Um, so I'm just showing the, I'm not going to talk through all of their stats because, well, look, it's on screen, pause and look at it if you want. It's just really creepy. Yeah. I love this so much. The colored artwork looks pretty cool. Yeah. It would be a cool concept to do for the actual miniature itself. Painting these things up is going to be something that people are either going to love or hate, depending on how much they enjoy 
because this is not going to be an easy thing to paint, especially replicating that artwork. That's going to be that's going to be very time consuming. Uh, I can tell you that is something. <laughs> well, yes, but if you were trying, if you wanted to replicate that artwork, that would be very difficult. Um, yeah. I'm not saying no, it's I impossible. Agree. Like it's certainly possible, but th- this would be a challenge. Yeah, Th- they've done it quite well. I mean, I I kind of wish it was a little taller so that we got the full like swirl on stuff. But yeah, I agree. It's kind of squished. Yeah, I mean that that's just a bit like if they have it too tall, then it's going to probably be off size for model and yeah. stuff. I guess tip over top heavy a little bit. Coming up next, we have grab people, grab people. Uh, this guy is. This is my favorite reveal of the set. Um, every time I see new models for the pirates, I, I want them more and more because these things are amazing. This guy is just so cool. He's huge. Yeah. I mean, he's on a 50 mil base. That gives you an idea of the size of him. And the detail that's going into that is phenomenal. Like this one, this is one like where... I think I'm pretty safe in saying that the model is even better than the artwork, whereas I would have said the opposite the other way around. Mm-hmm. Which is not a criticism on either. No. But this is so good. Oh, I love I love the anchor for the weapon. And this is an anchor for a weapon that actually makes sense. The claw looks beastly. Uh, the, claw sh- the claw is beastly if you look at the rules too. It just reminds me of one of the crewmen from David Jones Locker from Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh, yeah, big time. Big time. <laughs> it's just so good. Um, The scuttle isn't interesting. I'm not sure when you would ever use that. But anyway, obviously you would use it at some point. Uh, coming up next, we have... I forget what this model is called. This is another Kami from memory. Kami of the Summer Storm. So this is for our regular temple um you, you could have fun painting this however you would like um if i was to i'm not going to paint this because i don't have this crew but i would if you're going to paint it up to look like the cloud like they've got in the artwork again that's going to be a huge challenge um alternatively if you wanted to you could probably paint this up to look rather rude because well let's be fair that's exactly what people are going to do um, but it's supposed to be like a, like a wind spirit, like a summer spirit type thing. And that is the way that I would try to do it. Um, painting that up to look like it's a cloud person would be very, very hard. Mm-hmm. Again, like it's certainly possible, but, uh, and again, yeah. there's the rules for those that want to look at it. Um, I love the fact that one of their things are actually named after the wind god. Which for me, Raijin is always going to be somebody from Model Combat. I know that that's not where the name comes from, but it's the first time I saw it. And we've got another couple to go through. This next guy is for the uh, I forget what they're called, but it, it's the the um the mafia, the Chinese mafia guys. Oh, uh, uh, okay. Anyway, anyway, so Lamara. Lamaa, I don't know how to pronounce that. So he's a Buto. Um, so he's a he's one of your samurai. He has a man catcher, 
like quite literally, that is a man catcher. It's been a long time since I've seen anybody try to try to actually create a man catcher, because this is something that is actually real and did exist. Mm -hmm. uh, it's still something I'm quite questioning why it existed, but it did exist. Uh, it's a very nasty, very nasty weapon, honestly, because once you're in that, you're not getting out of it and surviving. Um, nope. Model-wise, the model is gorgeous. If you want to paint the tats on this thing, you're going to have a hell of a mission. Um, ta painting yeah. tattoos is not an easy thing to do. Um, Rules-wise, he's on your screen now. So he's 17 rice. I haven't really been going through any of them. I, I really like this. Not as much as I like the next guy, though. This is somebody from the Ronin, and this is somebody that has seen a hell of a lot of battles. Uh, this is another one where I think the model actually is better than the artwork. The artwork for this guy is kind of generic, and I'm sorry, it kind of... The artwork just feels very boring, honestly. I, well, yeah. So boring's not the right word. It just feels like another random guy. But then you go back and they've added all the scars and stuff and then there's actually a story. There's actually character in the model where the artwork is just, just another person. Where mm -hmm. like the, This looks like an actual character. Like you can see that he's been through some stuff. You can see that he's, like he's, he's worn, he's rugged. He's still got just as much fight in him as, as he ever did. Uh, I mean, there is scars on the artwork, but it's much more subtle than it is in the mini. It's very subtle. It's very subtle. I mean, you can definitely see the gash across his, across his chest, uh, yeah, right chest down to his stomach area, yeah, for sure. Atsunobu on his left chest. This is the first one I've tried to pronounce, but I think it would be Atsunobu. Um, so he's thirteen, right? He's like fairly. He's a mercenary, so he's if he's fairly low level, he can work with. Yeah, pretty much like the. The Mafia guys, as well as the... I'm forgetting all of the... I'm blanking on all of the faction names right now. Ben will have a go at me later. It's fine. Uh, it's just I'm blanking on them. But it, it's the bird people and your Mafia people. And then the next one, model-wise, is probably coming in number two, as far as favorites is concerned. Uh, as far as characters is concerned, this is my favorite. Because this is phenomenal. So, I'm not going to go through all of the rules and stuff, but basically from what I've looked at from this thing, the innocent-looking young girl here in the front is the maiden of Segoya, all right? Inside that little basket is the scary-looking monster thing. So, this innocent little... This innocent little girl is hiding some really dark, creepy secrets. So the whole innocent look is just to throw you off, basically. She even has a rule called cower. <laughs> uh, and then you you summon out the the um, Sagoya Kaiden, and whoo, this thing is nasty. This is just, I love this so much. It's so good. You can force people to be scared of you. It's it's just really, really nice. The art for, artwork for it too is yeah. pretty awesome. I think that's probably the best artwork of this of this wave, honestly. 
all of the artwork from the wave has been good. Like as much as yes, I did call one of them boring. That's the wrong word. I apologize, but this is the best artwork from the set. I would love to see them continue that artwork and make it a full 1080 page, a 1080p spread and release it yeah. as a background. Cause I would love to ha- have full screen of this just as a background on my wallpaper. Yeah, that would be cool. Yeah. <clears throat> so a lot that we went through today. We kind of smashed through quite a lot of it. Um kinda of had to at the same time. <laughs> well <laughs> with everything yeah. we had to cover. But anyways, there's some good stuff out coming out. Oh, big time. Big time. Um I think the highlights for me like I, I do love the G C T stuff. Uh that Zan Madeo Battle Fleet set is the one because I think because I'm always the one that do these run sheets, so nothing ever surprises me because I've already kind of had that reaction before I've seen it, before we've talked about it. But the benefit of you having added that and me not looking at it until the show really means that I, I actually could capture my initial reaction to how I felt about it. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, names that I was trying to think of earlier. The Silvermoon Syndicate is the Mafia guys. Uh, the Bird People is the Tengu. How did I forget Tengu? Of course it's Tengu. Um, we already talked. The Kinshi Temple is the the um, the Void Monks. And the Jung Pirates. So that, that was the names that I was trying to think of earlier. Indie, definition, independent, type, slang word, jargon. All right. So this... Bruce, this, you want to become a 3D model? <laughs> this is really, really different. Um, It is very interesting. Yeah. Now, there's a few companies out there that's doing stuff like this, just for the record. Uh, it's also probably worth noting that they're saying how you become a miniature, but they're not giving you a miniature. They're giving you a bust. Now, yeah. Granted, I know what they're saying, but I'm sorry, this is a bust. It's not a miniature, in my eyes, at least, anyway. No, I agree. So basically, like you, you can book a session, and everything is largely D and D inspired. So it, it's your right. It's your way of becoming your character, essentially. Um, so there's male or female options. You've got hair options, lots and lots of hair options. Uh, you can be an orc, a high elf, or a wood elf. Uh, you've also got like crowns and helmets and so on and so forth. Lots of horn options. You've got beards. So basically my understanding of how this works is that your face gets scanned and added to the miniature. Um, so this is something that you would have to actually book a session for. Uh, you can also purchase your miniature which I will go into in a minute. You can kind of build up like a preview of what it looks like. This is not cheap. Like this is expensive type stuff. Uh, This is based, it's been featured at PAX. I don't remember this at PAX last year, but to be fair, I was barely walking last year and I missed most of the convention. Uh, I really didn't leave the indie area because I just didn't have the ability to get anywhere else. Uh, but it's like it's 150 bucks. It's not a cheap thing to be doing. Uh, but you can book a session 
to go out and meet with them or they will meet with you in certain areas. And then you can pick how your miniature ends up looking and then your face just gets added to it, basically. It's a really, really cool concept. Mm-hmm. Um, so hypothetically, if we're buying a miniature, like this, this gives us an idea on price-wise. Um, I'm just going to say the big one because, well, if we're going to show an example, we may as well. And then you're dropping down here. You've got armor choices, hair choices, beard choices, horns. The face is... you. There is a generic option. Or obviously 3D scan is the main thing they're trying to skip the sell here. And then you've got head add-ons. So the only part of the scan that goes in is the face. Everything else gets added to it. Um, because at the risk of stating the obvious, generally speaking, I mean, hair and stuff will get will pick up, but not as well as it normally would. And generally, they tend to cut it out most of the time and recreate yeah. it. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that that's the general idea of how it works. On the front page, like if I was to just click on Warrior, for example, it shows me large examples of what they all look like. I just, I just thought this was really interesting. So yeah, that's what I was looking at. Apparently, they're adding new designs every month. Uh, this is obviously something that's fairly new at this point, um, but I think it's really interesting. There's a few companies like there's one in the US that's started up recently as well. But more from a um, an artistic point of view uh, than an actual miniature point of view. Dream blue, crying paint. What have you been up to, sucks? Working on my dystopian wars. Speaking of, so that's so surprising. You never mentioned dystopian wars. I know, right? So, kind of painting up my uh, my Conrad class. Uh, port carrier. So I started working on the flight deck for it, and then uh, same thing with my Tempelhof uh, fleet carrier. Nice. The one I'm really happy about how it turned out is my Kaiser class battleship. Oh, nice! So I got uh, waiting on some magnets so I can magnetize the turrets uh, sections of it before I paint those up. But otherwise. That's done. That's that's how I want it. That's so I'm looking forward to getting my entire fleet looking like that here in the next couple months, and then I'll start working on my crown stuff so I can have two full-on demo uh, games. Especially now that I'm an official war host uh, with War Cradle Studios, I can go out and help promote the game too. So yeah, and they definitely need more of those. Obviously, in your area, it means yeah. that you can um. Get more people into the games and stuff. Yeah, so we run some tournaments. So speaking of, uh, we just had another player just stuff uh, today, actually. (laughs) And another guy, when I was talking to on Wednesday when we were playing, thinking about buying stuff as well. So the two of us that started playing the game at the end of May has now grown to almost eight of us. You you should be telling them to buy them from from, um, Valhalla Hobby. Actually, I do. I usually do, too. I recommend Valhalla Hobby to Americans online all the time. 
Yeah. Um, so maybe that's I what I've been working on. Um, so I hope to have the, the carriers at least done uh, here soon. I uh, probably won't have them ready for Wednesday, but we'll see what I can do. Mm-hmm. But uh, what you been working on, Bruce? Um, some motorcycles. Pretty much. Little, little, little scooters. So oh, it's nice. I had changed. I've, I tore off the chains that I had done last time. This is something that a friend gave me that came off a Hero Clicks Mini. Uh, and it mm. like it just works really really well. Um, unfortunately, I also broke this mini taking it off, but I fixed it. It looks fine. You can't even tell yeah, it was, was broken. I can tell it was broken. The body doesn't quite match up properly anymore. Uh, but no, the the new chain looks much nicer. Yeah, um, I like that. The other one that used to hold a chain no longer has it. He now has a machine gun. Oh, nice. So basically what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to customize them all up. Um, In the rule set, I'm probably going to end up making the chain a weapon that's only available to the Hades uh, because I want them all to have like their right... Because these guys have always been the ones that have like an actual sword. Uh, That was always kind of... I said, well, if one of them is going to have it, I want it to be the sports bike, guys. Because it kind of tends to lean into the whole, the triad is the word I was trying to think of earlier. Yeah. Um, it kind of kind of leans into the at least the pop culture uh, representation of that quite well. Um, yeah. And well, I, I want factions to feel different, and that'll help everybody have their own kind of thing. Um, for the uh, dirt bike guys, I kind of have the idea of like the monkey fist like the rope weapon that you can kind of put like a steel ball in and hit people with. Cause I kind of think that's something that like you could kind of do in the middle of like, cause if you're in the middle of like an anarchist camp type thing, maybe that's something that would be a little bit easier there. Like it's just an idea. It's like, it's, it's a naval thing actually, but Mm -hmm. I just, it's not like monkey fists are exclusive to the Navy and nobody's ever heard of them. They are like, like it's not exactly an unknown thing. You can look them up yeah. online to find out how to tie them. Um. So, otherwise, hobby-wise, I haven't really achieved a lot. Uh, I mean, I have achieved some stuff. Um. I spent some time painting over the last couple of weeks because I've been testing my wolf bristle brushes. Um. Nice. That is a video that will get released this week at some point. So I'm not giving you my opinion on the brushes today. You'll have to watch the video. Uh, but I will say this. You should watch till the end of the video because then you can watch me stumbling over the words wolf bristle brushes. It takes me about four or five goes to be able to say it properly. Uh, and I cut all of it out and all of it's at the end of the video. So That's funny. You can have a laugh at my expense. Uh, otherwise, I, I got a game of Stuff of Legend in yesterday. Uh, we kind of, well, I made a few mistakes as we were kind of learning how to play it. Um, so we, we did win the game. We probably shouldn't have because <laughs> I screwed up a couple of things that made it easier. Uh, we were also playing it without a Betrayer, which obviously takes most of the difficulty out of it. Uh, but playing the game for the first time, they were kind of reluctant to do a Betrayer in it. 
which is something some people are, and I'm not having a go at them. Like that, it probably yeah. made learning the game a little easier because it was one less thing we had to worry about. Um, and like the whole things that normally would have been secretive and stuff, we could just do it openly uh, because we didn't have to worry about that whole betrayer thing because it just wasn't an issue. Yeah. Um, I really like the game wise, the game plays really, really nicely. Um, we were getting because the whole thing, like you're supposed to find the boy and then get out of the right exit. And we got to a point where it's like, well, we still haven't found the boy yet. Uh, and we've realized like, as far as I can tell, you don't actually mechanically have to find the boy. You just have to get out of the right exit. Interesting. Which is because it talks specifically about finding the boy, but there's no mechanic in the game about that. Now, I have a feeling that the reason for that is because this is like the first of what is very clearly going to be a series. And at this particular point in the book, they hadn't found the boy yet. So I suspect that's why it's not there yet. Um, but it's, it's going to be interesting to see. Um, it plays really nicely. I really enjoyed it. Um, that is not... like I will do a, like a full proper review after a while, but... Um, I really, really enjoyed it, honestly. It was really good. Um, otherwise, Entropy City continues. Uh, I haven't had any games of Entropy City. I was supposed to have one. Um, when did I have a game? No, no, I have had a game of Entropy City. It wasn't this week. It was last week. Um, the um, quick reference sheet that I did up and had laminated last episode was very fine. Uh, it was kind of, it wasn't really very good. It was kind of crap. Uh, in order to get everything to fit onto the page, because I'd done the whole two columns things because that's yep. how you do it, right? Yep. But that meant that my table wasn't going to fit. So basically I had to compromise <laughs> on that. And I, I yep. had to basically, everything went into short form to get it to fit. Um, and then it basically made it impossible to read. Uh, I kept on having to refer back to the rule book to find out what the table meant. Um, and it meant that I missed a whole heap of stuff. There was actually some typing errors that I found as well, but that's fine. That was going to happen anyway. So I have completely redesigned those so that the table and stuff is there in its full. And basically I've used, I've used tables for the columns for like general information and like rules and stuff. And then the tables are separate and they're as they're in their full glory. Um, I still want to, I'm still kind of toying around with the um, weapons and stuff because I st like some of them kind of still feel very same-ish. It's just, well, this is the same thing. It just does a little bit more damage and it does a little yeah. bit more stress. And I'm still, I, I want to kind of toy around with the target numbers and that a little bit. But um, otherwise, like, things are going well. Um, I did not get any games in this week of anything. I was supposed to be playing a vampire card game but they were kind of screwing around as to whether it was happening or not. And I just got to a point where I was like, you know what? No, nah, I'm just not coming. Uh, so I stayed home. I got online with my brother and played Diablo 4 for a little while because he'd been wanting to do that. And I was like, well, they're screwing me. Well, that wasn't deliberately screwing me around. I'm not actually having a go at them, but I've been trying to organize something since Tuesday. because yeah. I, uh, I went out and I brought a deck specifically for this week and everything. And then I was getting there Friday morning. I'm like, are we doing something or are we not doing something? Yeah. So I just, I just gave up uh, because there was a few people that couldn't really commit one way or the other. Um, 
So, like I said, I'm not having a go. It's just like, that's just the way that it was going, unfortunately. Yeah, that's that's hard sometimes. It, it is, yeah. Um, and to be fair, like it meant that I could spend some time with my brother, which is something that I kind of need. I wanted and needed to do anyway. Yeah, that's nice. Um. I don't know if they actually ended up playing it or not. I think somebody, I think, like, they didn't play a proper game, but I think what they ended up doing is teaching somebody how to play. It's one of these awkward card games where you have to have a certain number of people for the game to work properly. Mm. Um, so you can't just have one-on-one. It's supposed to be like a four-player game, minimum. So it, it gets a little hard at that point. Uh, that's, that's probably the one thing I would say about the stuff of Legend as well. It's a minimum of three players, and it's not really something you can play by yourself. Um, so that does make things a little bit awkward on that side. Mm-hmm. Uh, in theory, I am playing Entropy City with a friend of mine that's not really ever done miniatures before on nice. Saturday. So we will see how that goes. Have fun with that. Talk nerdy to me. So this is an idea that you and I have been pl- toying around with for a little while. And you basically put a big thing on here saying, Dystopian what? Wars. Yeah, with lots of exclamation marks. Uh, but that's not the topic. About talking about I have for- Wars and- no, I have forbid him from talking about Dystopian Wars. I changed the topic. Sort of. No, you I haven't. I haven't topic. really. No, the no, idea that I actually raised and, and you getting into Dystopian Wars was the inspiration for it, yes. But yes, it's um getting into a new game. So... There's a few things that we can cover here, and this is another one of the topics that we really could come back on. Um, but getting into a new game, I mean, there is challenges that have to be, because if you're going to get into a new game, it means you need to find people to play with. Um, and if there are no people that are playing it, it means that you need to get people to play with you, uh, which is what you had to do. Uh, you got lucky you found one person, but otherwise from there it's been finding new players. Yeah. Otherwise, from there, it's a matter of, especially in the middle of, like, to be fair, getting anybody to play something that's not Games Workshop 40K at the moment is very difficult. And this is the thing that happens every single time a new 40K edition comes out. Uh, You could probably make the same argument with Age of Sigmar, but I don't think it's really quite the same. Uh, I do believe you'll have this problem when when the old world comes out. I do believe that'll take a lot of... Games Workshop are really good at making everybody look at them again. Um, love it or hate it, I'm talking from a point of I find it frustrating, but that's not because I have a problem with them per se. It's just if you want to play something and if you want to build the, in, the indie scene, they make it very difficult. Yes. Uh, and look, so they should. They're a business that's like how they make money. Uh, we talked a little bit last time about how, like, you like you went online and you basically asked, and I was like, yes, I, I actually live here, and it, it, it wasn't you got really asked. lucky. It was, actually the, it was the guy that I... Oh, it was the other way around. With. Sorry. Okay. It was the other way around. Yep. But you guys had already ordered this, the starter box for me, mm. and he actually happened to ask... I want to say a, a couple of days after or before I got the box. And so I was just like, well, I got it. So I replied back to him a couple of, when I saw it. I was just like, well, I just got my stuff. Yep. Give me a couple of days. I'll, uh, and uh, we can meet up. And, and like I said, just uh, before we got into this topic, there's now 
four others that have joined and we've got two or three others that are buying their stuff or thinking about buying stuff in the next week or so. So yeah. we've grown plus the community. Your, plus your kids as well, or are they included yeah, in that number? My, my, no, they're not included in that number. So yeah. if you want to include my two boys, my two oldest boys that, that have their own sets, there's 10 of us mm. almost in a month and a half. So we got, I got very, very lucky uh, in finding the right crowd that was not playing. They, I mean, they play, some of them play games, workshop stuff, but they were just kind of tired of it. Yeah, was wanting to do something different, and that is and, how uh, the indie scene gets its players to some extent. But that was that was me when I first started looking out of Games Workshop. I was just tired of it. Seventh um, edition had killed my motivation to touch anything Games Workshop for a little while, uh, and I'm talking like Warhammer Forty K Seventh Edition. Mm -hmm. It was notoriously a bad edition, but um, arguably one of the weakest armies at the time became even weaker. Uh, they just weren't viable on the tabletop. And I was just like, I'm done. I want to play anything else. Uh, and a friend of mine got me into uh, Malifaux. Yeah. There's a few ways that we can t talk about this. I think talking about it from a perspective of, at least for today, because like I said, we, we can definitely come back to this. Um, like, a game has caught your attention. I'm going to use Dystopian Wars as an example. Hey, I can probably use Bushido as an example as well. Uh, hell, I used to be a I used to be a TT agent, like like literally mm -hmm. like tabletop like um TT combat stuff could be an example as well. But whatever it is, there is a game that has caught your eye and you're really interested in it, but none of your friends are playing it. Um, best so thing you can do: two player starter set. True. Um, Buy one of them. I would argue that I would argue the first thing that you want to do is join either a Facebook group or a Reddit group about that game specifically. Agree. Because a that'll show you whether there is actually a, whether there is actually things you need to be wary of or not. Uh, because if people are going to moan, they will moan in those groups as well, especially if it's the ones that's not controlled by the companies themselves, though they that also has their own problems. Um, I would probably argue that you want to join official groups and unofficial groups as far as Facebook is concerned, because trolls will turn you off games if, if, mm -hmm. if you don't be careful about it. Um. And then it's just a matter of, yeah, like, find out if there's people around you. Like, obviously, don't go giving out your address and stuff to randoms, but, like, find out if there's people around you that yeah. either play it already, because there probably is, or that want to and are looking for people as well. Uh, if you're in the US, you've got a much larger population. You've got a much bigger chance of finding people. Yes, there are people in the US that's like, well, I live in the middle of nowhere. That is a thing. It's a thing here too. George. <laughs> well, no, George. I mean, there are there is a store near him. There, there, I'm, I know, yeah. I know, but I'm just George lives in the I state that doesn't that exist. Word. So exactly. But anyways, yeah, no, you're absolutely right because the guy that reached out on Facebook uh, to the group that we're part of now, he was just like anybody in the Tampa region, and and Tampa region is pretty much a a two hour north and south and about a two hour east and west. Yeah, so that makes it easier. Part of. Florida. So, I mean, and the store that we play at is 
about a half hour away from his house and about a half hour away from my house. And so it's it's great. Yeah. So, if it was me, it would be, is there anybody within Melbourne? Because uh, yeah. Melbourne is not just the city of Melbourne. It's all of the surrounding areas as well. It's probably arguably maybe a bigger area than the Tampa Bay. Um, or the Tampa region, I should say. Tampa Bay is a specific area. Yeah. Um, but if you're looking to get into a game and there's nobody around you that is playing it, this probably means that you need to be somebody that's willing to be able to step up. Um, Put forth the effort to, to... Yeah. Because if there is nobody in your area, then, hey, maybe you need to be the person that builds that interest. Um, no, don't get me wrong. I realize that not everybody is going to be comfortable being, because that means that you're going to have to be the center of attention for this as well. Not everybody has the ability to do that. Um, I mean, if there is, in the case of, um, in the case of War Cradle, it's War Hosts. TT Combat have yes. TT Agents. Warmer Hordes used to have Privateers. I don't know if they do anymore or not, but usually most companies will have some sort of fan structure where there are fans that step up to demo the system for other people. And if you have one of those in your area, and it would be worth asking in those groups, hey, do I have somebody in my area that does this? Um, then maybe you can team up with them to try and get something going at your local store. And I would do this at a local store. I would not. Yeah. I mean, if you don't have a store, that makes it hard. But if you're meeting up with randoms, I would not be inviting them into your home until you know them. Um, and I would like to think it's pretty obvious why I'm recommending that. So, Once you know people, then yes, by all means, uh, that's another story. Uh, but yeah. always put yourself in a safe situation. And even if you're not an official war host or TT combat agent, whatever. There's nothing that says that you can't do it. Create a little flyer yourself. That, that's that's what I've created for our Escalation League that I'll be talking about here in the upcoming events. Yep. But I, I created that even before I became a war host. I mean, it was something that I was just like, you know what? There's enough of us here. Yeah. I think there's gathering more information or gathering more interest at the store itself. Granted, the store doesn't own any stuff to, to sell on the set, sell, shelves. I've talked to him about that uh, just to get, generate more interest for the store. Mm. Um, but that's that's hanging on the door. So I have one sitting next to me when we play our games on Wednesday nights, and I yep. have one posted on the door. I mean, on that front, like if you're willing to step out and get players, then... Yes, get a two-player starter set. You suggested that earlier. Yes, definitely. Yep. Get them painted up so that they, like, they look like they're actually painted. And just get people to have a go with you. I mean, obviously, that means that you need to be the one that understands the rules, which is also another not everybody's good at that. Yep. Um, but like, you, if you want to play a new game that nobody is playing, then... You need to be the one that goes out and gets people to play it with you. Now, obviously, and, yes, and would... get friends. Um, people in the store that you get along with, hey, have you heard of this? Just have a conversation around the painting table. Um, it, it, not just that, but go to other nights that have a lot of 
miniature players or even board game players. Yeah. If there's like a dedicated board game night or a dedicated Warhammer night or dedicated whatever miniatures game night, go on those nights, bring your stuff, set up a table, a little demo table of four or five miniatures of that game and just say, hey, anybody interested in playing this game? Yeah. I'm, I'm here for questions, answers. If you want to, if you got an hour of your time, that's how you're going to be able to generate interest too and, and generate more players. That's what I've been doing actually at the store the last month and a half. Yeah. And like I said, we've got close to eight, nine players now. So at the store itself. I mean, if, especially if you live in an area that has a lot of different games that are being played and lots of different groups I mean, there are some people that only play Warhammer 40,000 because it's the only thing they know of. Hell, for the two years that I was playing Warhammer 40, like, most of my time in Warhammer 40k, I wasn't enjoying the game. And I'm being completely honest here. I was not enjoying Warhammer 40k most of the time that I played it. But I played it because I wanted to do miniatures, and it was the only thing that I could do. And I wasn't interested in fantasy at the time. Uh, because obviously, yes, that would have been it. But I just wasn't interested. Um, I would argue that those people are not uncommon. There are people that only play things because it's what their friends want to play. Uh, and unfortunately, there are some groups of friends that change what they're playing every three minutes. Uh, I feel sorry for the people that are stuck in those circles because Lord knows it gets expensive. Um, yes. It's one of the things that we're very careful of. I mean, I'm probably, I mean, I, I get interested way too. My, my my spicy brain doesn't always help me with that. <laughs> um, but you will probably be surprised how easily some people can get on board. Because either... They're going to have been playing something for a while that they're kind of getting bored of or they're playing something that is too expensive to keep up with. Warhammer 40k, Shadowpoint, Marvel. There's lots of examples of this. Mm-hmm. Um, now, that's not to say, like, you can spend big money in any game. Oh, but absolutely. If you're careful about what you're getting into, you can get stuff that, like, once you've got your stuff, you don't need anything else. Um, like the Dystopian Wars and Wild West Exodus is pretty good for that because balancing on those, like, it just kind of gets adjusted here and there and then they'll yes. adjust other things here and there as opposed to where we're introducing a new unit and therefore we're going to change how everything works so that everybody has to buy it, um, which is kind of how Legion and 40K to some extent, um, I, 40K kind of do it they don't do that. They, they they do something arguably worse. Um, well, worse is not fair. Um, but they, they they kind of like everything slowly gets more powerful and more complicated over time, and then they reset. And then so that's that's where the term power creep comes from. Uh, Legion does do power creep, but it does it differently. They kind of yeah. it's a combination of a few things. Um, I. We don't know what's going to happen with Shadowpoint yet because it's only been out for a month. Yeah. Uh, Bushido is kind of the same. Like, it's just, it gets adjusted here and there. Uh, they have everything worked out to us. Every time they introduce a new model, they 
introduce that new model to fit with the balance that the game already has. Because they've got everything worked out to a point where, well, if it has this feature, it means it's another three rice. If it has this feature, then it's less a few rice. Um, but they have it worked out that fine. Uh, I mean, I would love to have that ability to do that, but I don't know if my brain will ever work that well. <laughs> um, if you... Uh, we're making the assumption in this conversation that you already know what you want to play, and so it's a matter of get people in. Yeah. Talk about it at the painting table. Talk about it amongst your miniature friend, your miniature gaming friends. Go to other events. If you're not getting anybody in at the at the Warhammer crowd, because that's going to be your hardest audience, uh, then go to one of the other. Then go to the other nights where other things are being played. People that are already outside of the G Dub atmosphere. There are some mm-hmm. G Dub fans that just will never look at anything else because it's not Games Workshop. That is unfortunately just something that happens. Um, there are some people amongst that crowd that will just go, well, it's not a Games Workshop game. It's not a real game. Um, it's one of the reasons why whenever I talk about the indie, I, I quite frequently push the point of the indie scene arguably has better stuff going on than the Games Workshop crowd does. The games are certainly better. Uh, and that's like, it's not to say that all Games Workshop games are bad. Like no. They have audiences for a reason. But yep. some of the games outside of that atmosphere are significantly more fun to play. And I mean by a large margin. It just You have to find the one that you find fun because not every game yeah. is for every person. So, so if, if you're willing to step outside of your comfort zone, if you're willing to actually talk to people and try to get people interested in a game... means you need to be bold. It means you need to be willing to do that. You need to understand the law to some extent. Like, not everything, but generally, if you're going to get somebody into a game, it's usually the story behind the game that catches most people, if not the miniatures. Um, Like, if somebody likes the miniatures that you're painting, then you'll know because they're, ooh, that's cool. What's that 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 you're painting? Like, you'll know because they'll ask you straight away. Or they're walking past a table. So, ooh, this looks interesting. What's that? You'll know straight away. Yeah, that will get a lot of attention. Yeah, this is the model I brought the very first day. It wasn't painted up or anything. Like that, and it, it's still not painted up. Awesome. I, I know, I'm working on it. Uh, but since I got <laughs> it's my one of the first you had. Why is it not finished? I know, I know that. Uh, because I wanted to go with the tisk, darker tisk, gray. Tisk, 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 tisk. I wanted to go with the darker gray. I wanted to go That's with the dirt, German gray. So I, I got to... Uh, and I needed to find... And I actually found it at the store finally that had in stock the the little pot so I could didn't have to take that all down in a Are you painting with Tamiya paints? Why? I paint with a full range of paints. Fair enough. I've I've got Val Vallejo, I've got Citadel, I've got Tamiya, I I've got a whole range of paints. Is that a wash or No. No, that's the same colors as the rattle can. Oh, okay. Because you can get Vallejo German Grey as well. Yeah. You just prefer that one. No, it was. They don't have uh, a German Grey spray. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, fair enough. You know what you should use? Want... That airbrush that you brought and you never use. Uh, I don't think I have it anymore. 
What happened? Honest. I think I sold it. Obviously, it's still back there, but I'm pretty sure I sold it. But yes. Next episode, we're going to talk about all of the things that Sock should do and never does. <laughs> but going back to it, I showed this. I mean, people yeah. saw that on the table and they're like, what the heck is that? That's a big, huge blimp with the aircraft carrier on the deck of it. I'm mean, just like, yeah, this is dystopian wars. And since then, like I said, yeah. like I said, it, if it's the miniatures that's going to get people's attention, trust me, you'll know. Uh, and obviously, that I mean, you need to have it on the table at that point. Like to the point where like, I've even had people with doing that with Entropy City, and this is a game that doesn't exist yet. Um, but I, I've had people like, "This looks interesting. What's that?" Like, well, this is Dystopian Wars. Uh, this is Bushido. Like, if you if you're playing something that catches someone's aesthetic, uh, like with Infinity, it's like anime-ish. Um, with dystopian wars, it's very much it's steampunk. Just, it's Victorian. very steampunk, Victorian punk type stuff. Uh, Bushido is obviously anything Japanese. Um, it's just got if it's if it's somebody that's into Japanese anime myth, anything. It's get like, samurai. It's going to get their attention. Um, drop zone drop is very much futuristic ground and space combat. Yep, that's not not forty k. Type. Rumble Slam is a really easy one. If if but there are people that's into wrestling, they will know it straight away. And it's even though it's not something that's talked about a lot, it is more people than you think it is. Um, it's it's just a matter of being willing to step out. Um, unfortunately, it will mean like if if you're looking to get into a new game, like those initial couple of months might be a little bit of a slog, because you need to get those first two or three people in and hope that they are willing to and then help you get that snowball rolling. Like you found someone that was looking and you kind of got together. So, okay, what do we need to do to get this going? Um, as opposed to like, if you have someone, oh, I'd be interested in giving it a go. I mean, yes, that is good, but it's not the same conversation at that point. Yeah. Um, Cause I mean, and if they play it and have it goes, Oh, well, yeah, no, I'm I'm getting in on this. Then you've got them. Um, well, got them is a horrible thing to say. Um, but it's just a matter of like getting those two or three people that, and not all of these people have to be like this is the only thing I'm playing now. Very few gamers will do that. Um, it's a matter of look, I, I like this enough that I'm willing to help you get people in. Mm-hmm. Um, and you may still have to be that number one person, but maybe they can bring people to you and go, hey, this is the guy you need to talk to. He's the one that showed me this thing you were asking me about. Um, so j- just a few tips on getting things going. Look, it, I'm not going to sit here and say that it's easy. Um, like I said, there are some people that just won't ever be interested in things that aren't the thing that they're playing. Yeah, It's just, it's just something that happens. Um, it doesn't make them bad. It doesn't make it wrong. It's just, it's just the way that it is sometimes. Yeah. And, and the benefits that I've had is I've been having to do this for the last 12 years. Mm. Military life. I move around every two to three years. So I have to go in and insert myself into the game. Play just to see if they play something that I play or 
or willing to learn something that I already have or, or whatnot. And so this has just become natural to me over the last, like I said, 12 years. Yeah, it's um, just something that you've had to deal with over and over again. Um, I mean, I've had to deal with it here and there. I mean, when I was getting into Drop Fleet, because that was a brand new game that does not exist, um, like that conversation was happening daily at some points. Because, mm-hmm. um, I mean, I, I was somebody that was at the at the game store daily at, at one point. I, I don't tend to be that person so much anymore because I kind of burnt myself out. Um, but and well, I, I choose to go other places now. Uh, but if you're willing to do that, you have a chance. Uh, if you're unsure if you can do it, I would still give it a try. Yep, uh, maybe absolutely. don't spend thousands and thousands of dollars on a game you don't have anybody to play with yet. Unless you just want to collect it, in which case that's a different conversation. Um, but yeah, start with a two-player action set or two small forces that work well together that arguably you're interested in owning. Because uh, obviously the idea is, is that you will use the other one to help people get in and you can swap back and forth so that you're not getting mm-hmm. bored. Uh, it means that you kind of need to get used to how they play because if you're going to show them when you're demo when you're demoing a game, you should be expecting to lose. Hopefully on purpose. And, well, not on purpose. And be, you know what I mean. And be comfortable playing either side because yes. there may be a side that says, "Ooh, a player may come up and you say, "Ooh, those look those look cool." What game is this? And you're like, "Okay, I can teach you how to play this game. I'll play the other side." Yeah, and and you learn how to play these ones. That way, they feel comfortable. If, if and that will help them catch get the itch of possibly buying the game as well. Yeah, is exactly. Seeing stuff that they like, but then also playing the side that they look interesting to them. Yeah. So. If you're going to get into a game, you have to be interested in the models that you're looking at because you're going to paint them. And if I'm looking at Socks on the table and Socks is playing with the German stuff and that's the stuff I'm interested in and he's not willing to let me try them, probably less of a chance I'm going to get into it because then I'm not yeah. even get, like I don't like they look pretty but what if they play in a way that I don't like um and like you need to understand them well enough so that when I'm showing you so when I'm showing you the rules and I'm just going to use my game as an example because well obviously I know my game but I come across a situation where it's like where on the table I'm kind of set up so that this guy's, you know, like your guy's coming up behind my guys. Oh, now I get to show you something cool. So you should attack this guy from behind. Why? I'll show you. Um, like, for example. And there'll be things like that in every game where it's like, oh, yep. oh, I know something that that thing can do, and now I'm going to show you how that thing works. As opposed to telling them everything in five minutes at the start of the game and they won't remember anything. Show them the cool things as they happen even if it's at your own expense. Because you can have a real game later. If you're demoing a game for someone, it's about showing them why the game is fun. A demo game is not a real game. Don't treat it like one. Treat it like it's a demo. You're showing it how it works. Um, It's something that... It's a skill that you need to build, a skill that I'm still developing, uh, especially given that my game... Like, I'm trying to do it with something I'm creating and it's not finished yet, so has its own it has its challenges. own challenges it's like mm, i'll show you this thing oh wait i changed that ah fuck i did it wrong. oh damn i did it wrong 
Yeah. So it's just, yeah. Like I said, if you're willing to be bold, if you're willing to step out, it's a lot of fun. Um, but if you're not someone that's comfortable or you find it harder, because if you're, if you're a bit introverted, then being that person takes a lot more energy and you have to build up to it. Um, doesn't mean that you can't do it. It just means that you need to be aware that it it's something that you're going to have to face. See, that's um, the funny thing is that I'm introverted in some ways. Yeah, I'm gaming kind of. I'm, what, I'm with you on. I'm kind of. It depends on what it is. Gaming, I'm not introverted at all when it comes to gaming. So I'm very easily willing to. to someone steps up next to the table. Hey, this is what this game is about. Yeah, come play. You got. I know you may not have time tonight, but we're here every Wednesday night. Just come back out. Yeah. And it's just a matter of like, you're not going to get a yes every time. Yep. Doesn't. Some people will be reluctant because it's just not an aesthetic they get into. That was me with Warmer Hordes. Um, that'll be some people with Star Wars. Some people just don't won't touch anything Star Wars because look, you know what? I've never been into Star Wars. Or they have this idea that Star Wars is something that's not because of the Star Wars fans. Um, mm. Same with Marvel. I'm just not into superheroes. It's not my thing. Uh, it will be the same with, like, there will be people that just, like, the, they just aesthetically don't like it. There'll be other people that'll be like, well, no, I'm kind of reluctant to pick up new games because there's never anybody to play with. Those people will need to see that the game is growing and is actually staying around before they'll touch it. And that's probably some of the people that you have on the outside right now. Yeah. Um, and Luckily honestly, me, we've all been there. I, I have bought into a couple of games and instantly regretted it for that reason. Luckily for me, the guy that I first started playing with, he's also a war host. So there's two war hosts now in the Tampa region. So, good. which will be good because when I leave, he can stick around and, and help grow the community. And, there's only two players out of the eight or so that I know of are active duty military right now. Me and one other guy that lives in my neighborhood. Yeah. Taught him the game on my table right back here, and that's how he got into it. Nice. But so I know this community is probably gonna be sticking around even after I go because Because you actually have multiple people that are getting to know each other and getting to play. Yeah. And buying their own stuff right now. Which is good. So there we go. Yeah. Like I said, this is a topic that we could easily come back to several ways because there's a couple of different approaches that we could take. Um, like maybe trying to trying to figure out a game that you want to play. Like trying to find a new game might be an interesting discussion for at some point as well. Um, so like very much like the um, a few other topics we've had recently, we've kind of just scratched the surface here. We can come back to it. Um, mm-hmm. And by all means, if you enjoy dystopian wars and you want us to actually take a more in-depth look at dystopian wars you should be letting us know that because socks is already interested in doing something personally if we do i'd like to approach it in a different way than we did the drop zone and drop fleet stuff because i just don't i know that there were people that enjoyed it but there was also a lot of people that i feel like were asking for things and then just never actually bothered paying attention. Um, yeah. So I, I, if we're going to do it, I'd like to do it in a way that, I don't know, I'd like to try to do it differently. It's just a matter of how we do it. Yeah, I agree. As opposed to just like looking at it and listing off stats and stuff because I just don't think people were paying attention to that. 
the the focus that we did at the end, I think, was probably the better way to go. Maybe of like, hey, this is the thing, and like just general looking at things and yeah. factions and stuff, and that way we can kind of revisit it as um, new factions are introduced and. So we're like, we start off looking with the Imperium, and Lord knows there's a couple of different ways that you can come in with the Imperium at the moment. Uh, and then we look at the other one, and then we come back to Imperium, look at one of the other ones. Yeah. Uh, we, we look at the Empire, we start looking at the Japanese stuff, and then we look at the China stuff, and then we're like, so on and so forth. Look at the Chinese floating city that Bruce is now going to buy. <laughs> <laughs> nope, I'm not buying anything. I have too much oh. stuff I don't play with already. Uh, don't we all? Oh, hell, look, if I'm willing to travel for four hours, I have somebody I can play Dystopian Wars with. But he lives four hours away. And to be fair, if I'm going to Chris's house, I'm going there to play Wild West Exodus. Lord knows we've been <laughs> talking about it for two years already. Well, you just spend enough time there, you play one game of Wild West and another... Well, that is go. true. That is true. Tournaments, demos, conventions, you know, that kind of stuff. And let's start with your thing. So, yes. Uh, now, as part of my Warhost uh, abilities, well, I was going to do this anyway, even before I became a Warhost. But now it's an, a Warhost official relation league at our local game store uh, at Critical Hit Games in St. Petersburg. Um, it starts August 2nd, so the first Wednesday of August, the 18th of October. We're going to start out at 700, 750 points. So if you buy a starter box, you will get your 750 points. A starter box of a, nice. for a particular faction will give you about 1,000 points. And so you'll have your easy, very easily 750 points to work with. Then every couple of weeks, we're going to increase uh, by 250 points just to give people time to purchase stuff, if, uh, depending on budgeting and then uh, and putting it together, painting it if they want to. And we're going to do that up to 2,000 points. And then at the end of that uh, league, we're going to actually hold a sanction, uh, probably mid-November time frame. I got to look at the, the dates for the at the store mm-hmm. and uh, put that on our calendar. So, and then after nice. that, uh, I'll, once we get an official date, probably beginning of the year, we're going to do a uh, narrative campaign over a course of two to three months. Narrative because... campaigns are fun. I got the campaign set. So. Yep. So nice, nice. Myself and Johnny, the other war host, we're trying to work that together of how we want to do this. Uh, so we're looking forward to it. And she should be. Otherwise, why you? Otherwise, she shouldn't be doing it. Yes. Um. Also coming up, the Southern Fried Gaming Expo is happening at the end of this month. So it's from the twenty eighth to the thirtieth of July. That's happening at the Marriott Renaissance. Uh, Waverly Center in Atlanta, Georgia. GAS Georgia, right? Yes. Yep, good. Uh, Gen Con's coming up 3rd to the 6th of, Oct- of August. That is August. really close now. Uh, Weapons Free Drop Fleet Commander Tournament is happening on the 7th of September in Cardiff. Um, links to the ones that have links, I will... Because the Southern Fried Gaming Expo, there is a link that you can go to for it. Uh, the Weapons Free Drop Fleet Commander Tournament, there's a website you can go to for that as well. They will be in the show notes. Uh, PAX Australia is coming up from the 6th to the 8th of October. Um, I will be there. I still don't know when at this point. 
um, because it's just I need to get other things sorted before I can organize that. Uh, fingers crossed. Maybe I get in on the um, Entropy City stuff, but we'll see. Uh, awesome. Northern King Con, uh, that is happening from the 24th to the 26th of November. That's in Osset, West Yorkshire. £55 includes a hot lunch for Saturday and Sunday. If you have events that are coming up, let us know about them. Otherwise, we will not talk about them. If you enjoy what you do, please consider supporting us. Uh, Patreon.com slash getting tabled. One of the people that do support us, and we're extremely grateful for this, is Valhalla Hobby. We mentioned them at the start of the show. Uh, they concentrate very specifically on the niche side of gaming. So yes, they do have your big things like your, um, like they do have shops. your big things like your games workshops and your D and D and so on and so forth. But they also have your smaller indie games, which is the reason why we ring them up so much because not all stores do. Uh, plus, their product prices are really good. Um. If there is a small game, there's a very big chance that they will have it. These guys have all of the TT Combat stuff. They have all of the War Cradle stuff. They have all of the Conquest stuff. Um, they have tons and tons and tons and tons of things. Um, plus, good prices. Like I said earlier, if you use the code GT2305 at checkout, you get 5% off any order over $100. Uh, we get no kickback from that. We're not telling you this because we make money from this. Uh, they have set that code up to um, su support our listeners, basically. And plus, it also shows them whether supporting us has actually been worth it for them. Um, please support the people that support us. It means a lot. Patreon. I mentioned Patreon very, very briefly. Uh, Patreon.com slash getting tabled. Uh, $2 a month gives you early access to everything that we're doing, uh, any YouTube videos. There is the occasional thing that will go out quickly, but we try to limit that as much as possible. Um, people people that are supporting us already have early access to my brush review, to the other two parts of the unboxings that George was doing that started last week, uh, that started yesterday. Um, they have early access to literally everything that we're doing. At the moment, they also get early access to the Entropy City stuff. That won't continue forever. It's just what's happening right now. Um, thank you for those that do support us. If you enjoy what we do, please let other people know about what we do. You can also find us on YouTube, youtube.com slash getting tabled. Uh, if you follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash getting tabled, that's pretty much, it's the number one spot social media wise where you'll find us. Twitter.com slash getting tabled. Um, I'm, I know George won't let me, but I'm very tempted to remove our Twitter because it doesn't get used and Twitter is a disaster of a place anyway. Um, I've never been a big fan of the platform and it's just gotten worse. Uh, Instagram may as well be Facebook. Let's be fair. It's owned by the same people, but it's at getting tabled. Discord. Ah, Discord. Yes. Uh, if you want to join our Discord, there will be a link on screen and in the show notes as well. Uh, you can join our community. 
Uh, there is specific channels for Patreon, but there's also general stuff where we can chat as well. Honestly, I'd love to get more people on there so that it's... Uh, like, it is active, but it's not as active as I'd love it to be. Um, it would definitely be useful. And our website that we have, thanks to Valhalla Hobby, is gettingtabled.com. I have a Twitch, twitch.tv slash jasonthebruce. I was playing Diablo last week. I will probably play... No, sorry, I wasn't playing Diablo last week. I was playing AEW. I will probably be playing a little bit of Diablo at some point this week. I can't tell you when. It's kind of happening casually. It's slowly ramping up. I've got to get people used to the fact that I'm streaming again. So, <laughs> Otherwise, anything else from you, Sox? Nope, I'm good. Thank you very You're much for joining me. Yep, us. And otherwise, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. For listening to Getting Table. Music used in this podcast was created by Eric Mattias at soundimage.org.